from Hamilton Place Strategies in Washington, D.C. This is the HPS Insights Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to HPS Insights, a podcast from Hamilton Place Strategies, analyzing the current events impacting the business and political communities. I'm your host, Megan Pennington, Managing Director here at Hamilton Place Strategies, and I'm thrilled to be joined by several of my awesome colleagues for today's HPS Insights episode. We have one of our partners, Andrea Christensen, along with Gina Kim, Maggie Wang, and Parker St. Jean. We will be talking about the latest iteration of a quarterly project they recently completed called the Capital chatter analysis. The capital chatter analysis started in April 2021 is a quarterly analysis of the tweets posted by members of Congress. Using original data analysis, the team is able to search for relevant keywords and determine trends around what members are tweeting about. This quarter's results had some super interesting takeaways, and I'm really excited to talk about it with you all today. Andrea, Gina, Maggie, and Parker, welcome to HBS Insights. It's really great to be here. Thanks, Megan. So um, so what emerged? What was the biggest takeaway from this quarter's analysis? I would say the dominant topic of the quarter was definitely infrastructure on just a lot of different dimensions. It has been a really steady topic over the year. It's consistently been one of the key topics, but with the bipartisan infrastructure package in the fall, as well as a lot of the momentum around Build Back Better, it really emerged as the dominant topic of the fourth quarter. I would say overall, you know, something that we noticed looking back at the past year was we think of members of Congress on Twitter as, you know, being more driven by engagement and media trends and wanting to throw shade at other members of Congress. But if you look at the numbers, what they tweet about is really driven by legislative momentum and executive decisions to a degree that I think I personally was not really expecting. But it turned out to be you know, a little optimistic or a little hopeful to you know recognize that members of Congress really are focused on legislating, at least when they're posting on Twitter. That's good to hear. That's good to know that what they're talking about actually aligns with uh, what we sent them there to do. Um, tell me, team, what if anything surprised you about this quarter's um, capital chatter analysis results? Were there any that surprised you that kind of like seemed outside of the norm or, um, you know, like how these results differed from from quarters past? You know, picking up right off where Gina just talked about infrastructure, I think it was pretty interesting how we kind of saw members of Congress Twitter accounts mirror the news coverage of infrastructure. We saw the gradual increase starting from Q1 to Q4 as this infrastructure package kind of began its negotiations and then culminated with the signing in early November. And then we kind of compare that to what we saw in the topic of education in schools. You know, here in the D.C. area, we had the Virginia governor's race uh, in early November, and we had a lot of coverage about schools, education, parents in schools. um, And we really did not see that translate into the education category for member of Congress's Twitter accounts. Um, It's important to note that this education category includes a variety of terms, not just schools, kind of focusing on higher ed and tuition. Um, But we really did not see an increase like we have in other newsy and flashy hot topics on the member of Congress Twitter accounts. Um, So it just kind of shows that although Twitter activities usually at times will follow what's in the news cycle, there's a few hot and interesting topics 
that won't really translate in, in the member of Congress Twitter accounts. That's super interesting and really surprising. I mean, given just how robust the conversation is on schools um, in the media, I mean, you can't watch a news channel without hearing the debate over kids and schools and masking. So it's, it's interesting to see that, that that's not coming through in the Twitter analysis, though. I wonder if it's maybe a recognition that a lot of this is happening. A lot of these decisions are happening on the local stage. And so federal lawmakers kind of, while they might have opinions, if asked in media interviews, maybe that's just not driving their Twitter editorial calendar, which wouldn't be altogether surprising. Yeah. And, and I'd add too, I mean, generally tweets related to COVID have also just plummeted um, over the course of the year. I mean, from a high of 27,000 in Q1 to seven or 8,000 in Q4. Wow. And so, I mean, and, and that is clearly divorced from the Omicron surge. And so even as, you know, more attention and there's more cases than ever before, you're just not seeing um, the Twitter traffic around that, that you were also. So that that's also interesting. Yeah, definitely. Incredibly notable. It's and it's it's a, it's an interesting commentary on how to like the perception of what people are talking about the most. And then the, you know, this Twitter analysis actually keeps us honest on, okay, what, you know, what topics are really coming through when, and being able to look at it in a quantified way is, um, is pretty interesting. So in your write-up of the analysis, your team noted that congressional Twitter can be a barometer of both parties, political and communication strategies. How can that observation help folks understand Understand different tweeters' political and communications goals. Right. I think just also jumping off of what everybody else said, Twitter can be a place that can be very tactical. Like, for example, even ex- in extreme circumstances, when you look at when members tweet, everybody tweets during the week, nobody tweets over the weekend. Um, so when we think about Twitter, we thought, well, it'll be interesting to look at now that we have the full year of data look at some of the bigger topics that have been really consistently in the national and media and political debate. Um, We looked at inflation, we looked at COVID vaccines, and we thought it was very interesting that, you know, for inflation, it's a very big topic for everybody because of, um, you know, stimulus packages, prices are going up. So for consumers, this is a very salient topic. Google Trends data has shown that um, American consumers has consistently been very interested in the topic of inflation. But when you really look at how members tweet about inflation, Republicans really started tweeting about inflation in the middle of the year when, um, you know, I think Axios came out with a report that said GOP circulated a memo that said, you know, there's this public concern and fear about rising prices, so members should lean into that. And Democrats really only started talking about inflation a lot more throughout the end of the year, where Build Back Better was branded as the solution to combating inflation. So that's sort of a way that we thought was a very good window into just seeing and having that as an indicator of how members are communicating to their constituents. This is making me um, think that uh, back from my years on the Hill, as Andrea knows, we often would receive message guidance from the caucus or um, the, you know, the, and, you know, the conference in the house, like you know, whoever leadership, whatever message leadership had set for the week or for the month, there was always, you know, like tweet this or, you know, place an op-ed on this. It would be interesting if the, if the, um, the leadership in both chambers uh, knew how we did our text analysis because then they could probably keep a little scorecard on who was staying on message and who was not. 
uh, the members probably think, oh my gosh, we don't need anybody tracking this. So kind of building off what members of Congress use their Twitter accounts for, it is important to remember that this is one of the ways becoming more prominent on how they're communicating with their constituents. So in each of our quarterly analyses, we've looked at the top topic mentions and commemorative events, which we've included terms like celebrate, honor, today is, uh, anniversary of, has consistently ranked in the top three, if not number four. Um, so this just kind of underscores that while member of Congress Twitter accounts are tweeting about policies of the current day, they're also tweeting about daily events, you know, congratulating, congratulating people in their, in their districts. They're tweeting um, we saw Veterans Day was in, in Q4, so they're tweeting about honoring all veterans. So this is still the one of the primary uh, communications tools that these members of Congress are using to update their constituents on regular activities that may not be hot, political, topical. That's a great uh, takeaway, and and I, and I guess it makes sense. You know, like I think I think members of Congress are always trying to figure out what's the most effective way to meet their constituents where they are to get the information uh, to them that they need. Whether it's about how to get in touch with the caseworker, or um, it's to tell them about work that they're doing in Washington that directly affects um, their constituents back home. So you know, I I of course am th- sympathetic. You know, as as Americans uh, habit for consuming information change. And, and obviously, it, you know, think of the incredible um, changes we've seen even over the past like 15 years since Andrea and I have been out and like working for members of Congress. Like when I, I, I can remember when I worked for Senator Barbara Mikulski, she didn't, I was there when she got her first Twitter account and it was, um, it was for the campaign. It was on the campaign side and she, she just had a separate Blackberry and she thought the Blackberry was her Twitter. I mean, it, you know, this was like super new to many of these people and, and look how, um, it has totally changed and, and become an incredibly important part of the way um, members do their work. And, and I can even say, even before I left working on the Hill, there were um, times where, you know, before some notable event occurred, you would, um, you know, issue a statement. But by the time I was leaving, sometimes it would just be a tweet because reporters are looking for reactions on Twitter. And you know that the fastest way to get your voice out there and to let everybody know where you stand on something like, you know, ratifying the Iran nuclear deal or uh, considering a, um, a trade authority, you know, it was like something would happen on the floor and immediately folks would be tweeting. And, and that was, like the fastest, fastest way to get your message or, or your perspective out there. So um, it's kind of it's kind of uh, wild to think where we'll be 15 or 20 years from now. We'll be like fully in the metaverse. I don't know. I mean, maybe it'll just be an avatar giving a statement in the metaverse and like the members never even have to like go to a press conference. That would be crazy. Why don't we take a quick break um, and then we'll come back and, and hear a little bit more about this project. We'll be back with you on HPS Insights in just a minute. On the first Friday of every month, HPS analyzes the latest jobs and labor market data in a digestible format. Sign up for our reports at HamiltonPlaceStrategies.com or on Twitter at HPS Insight. 
Welcome back to HPS Insights. I'm joined today by my colleagues, Andrea, Gina, Maggie, and Parker. Hi, everybody. Um, They're here to talk to us about their quarterly capital chatter analysis. Um, So let's get right back into it. Are there any voices that are being left out of the Twitter conversation? Any members of Congress that are notably not tweeting? Um, If so, what does that mean, if anything at all? So we did... When we were looking, we saw that, you know, basically every member of Congress also has a Twitter account. So what we thought was more notable as we were tracking the leaderboard is it's not that members of Congress are being left out. We did see that some members of Congress are more vocal or more active on Twitter than others, including in the fourth quarter. We saw one member in particular who has been really vocal over the year be a little less active. Yeah, and kind of building off of that, taking a step back and looking at the total tweet volume over the course of the year, Democrats do tweet more than Republicans. Just over 60% of all tweets that came from congressional Twitter accounts in 2021 came from Democrats. And even as we saw the overall tweet volume decrease from quarter uh, one through quarter four, uh, we did see Democrats top Republicans in overall volume in each of the four quarters. Each quarter, we put out a leaderboard of the top 10 um, most frequent Twitter accounts. And since we have this full year data, we're able to put that into a full year leaderboard. So unsurprisingly, Senator John Cornyn of Texas led our quarterly leaderboard for our quarters one through three. And as Gina alluded to, he unfortunately did not come in first place in Q4. He was topped by Representative Jayapal by, I think, just around 30 tweets. So an interesting tidbit there. But looking at the overall aggregate of tweets from Senator Cornyn, he sent out just over 6,500 tweets in 2021. And that was more than a thousand uh more than a thousand tweets compared to the second place finisher. So Senator Cornyn is definitely getting his tweets out there. That is so interesting. You know, Senator Cornyn, of course, is known for being a prolific tweeter. And and I I think, um, you know, Senator McConnell is, is I'm sure, uh, grateful to have him kind of, he, he always has a little, like a little snark. He's, he's always bringing a little like humor to his Twitter game. Um, but that's notable that Congresswoman Jayapal um, outpaced him at the end of, of 2021. I mean, I think we all... Saw her, of course, out in the news and doing her thing, trying to uh, negotiate and and get the president's big domestic spending package over the finish line. Of course, we all know how that worked out, at least uh, at the end of last year. I guess we'll have to stay tuned and see if she can keep up her her pace um, as we as you know she's taken on 2022. Well, cool. So, how has the process for this analysis changed over time? Like, how have what have you guys learned by engaging with the with this work? And you know, what do you have? Do you kind of update your approach or or add other things in? What what have you what have you learned, and how have you shifted your process? Yeah, it's been a really interesting process over the course of the year. I mean, we started off just kind of wanting to know hey, what, what are members of Congress tweeting about? How, like, what what's new? What's exciting? How do things change? What's the volume look like? And we've kind of added more layers of nuance um, each quarter, I think, adding in the Google search trends um, for this analysis was really interesting in terms of, you know, the inflation findings. Um, and we also looked at, you know, who's being mentioned more frequently, things like that. And we have some other um, kind of interesting potential insights coming up in future iterations of this. 
Um, and maybe Maggie, you want to speak to kind of the the additional influencer aspect we're we're thinking about here. But it's it's been fun to to think about. Okay, what are we doing? How can it be better? And um, trying to make it more insightful each quarter. Right, and we it's it's not just us. We've gotten a lot of good buy-ins from the rest of the firm and other people. We've grown our team, and we've had a lot of support from people giving us ideas. Oh, what about you know this? What about that? And one of the new things that we're sort of trying to you know, experiment and has already been operational a little bit. We used it in this most recent analysis to see which members um, are mentioned the most by other members, not just who's tweeting the most. Um, One of our findings this time was that, you know, President Biden and Vice President Harris really gets tagged a lot by (laughs) members of Congress, much more than any of the House Senate leadership and other members of Congress. So we are trying to continue to do this sort of work. And we want to be able to, in the future, look at things like, for example, oh, which journalists perhaps interact the most with members of Congress, uh, which trade associations interact the most with members of Congress and vice versa. Um, So we have a lot of these little projects and items coming down the pipeline. So please stay tuned. I bet Senator Manchin's name might be mentioned a lot, but not tagged. Because I mean, can you imagine the, I mean, it kind of, you get into a game of what kind of shade are you willing to throw? Are we going to go all the way to tagging the person that you're going to call out? I don't know. That might be a, that might be an interesting discussion to be uh, able to observe inside, um, inside a, a congressional office. Right. But even then we actually, we, we had a lot of internal discussions on how we're going to put it present the data. So we did actually do a quick search of, uh, you know, how many times, say, Senator Manchin and Senator Cinema, who were, you know, in the news a lot, to, yeah. to say the least, um, were mentioned. But even then, uh, people like Speaker Pelosi were very much mentioned more than um, Senator Manchin was. So so I, I feel like this kind of goes into some of the what we think members of Congress are tweeting and what they're actually tweeting kind of, uh, you know, dynamic. It also yeah. felt like people were, you know, generally people were falling in line with their party line. So you saw a lot of committee chairs getting a lot of mention, you know, House leadership in general received a lot of mentions. So it might be that while there's a lot of you know, internal or off the record seething between members within the Democratic Party, it would be unlikely that they would vocally attack another member of their party on Twitter. Well, maybe there's hope for some civility after all. This is going back a little to the methodology question, but something that we did this time that I think would be really interesting to do in future full year analyses or other you know, time-oriented analyses was the time series data because that allowed us to see how specific moments or specific events really drove spikes in conversation. So something that we saw looking at mentions of COVID and the vaccine was that specifically you know, developments around the vaccine seemed to cause more spikes in, in conversation than you know actual changes in caseloads or the underlying status of the pandemic. In particular, we saw that there was a large spike among GOP tweets after President Biden announced his vaccine mandate that would impact 100 million workers at private companies, whereas we didn't see a similar spike when he announced the federal vaccine mandate. So it just demonstrates that to the GOP or you know to Republican members, the the private mandate was much more of an impactful development or announcement 
than the one that would specifically only impact the federal sector. Cool. That's very, that's very interesting. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining me. It was a really great conversation. We hope that you will come back. Any last thoughts before um, we, we close out our episode today? We are always looking to improve and, you know, look into new insights, look into new ways of displaying the data, new topics to explore. So if you do have any requests or suggestions, I think we're always open to considering that. So let us know. Yes, absolutely. If uh, Listeners, if you have any suggestions, you can always reach us at content at hamiltonps.com. We will pass along any tips or suggestions you have to our fantastic capital chatter team. Um, well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning into another episode of HPS Insights. A huge thank you to our guests today, Andrea, Gina, Maggie, and Parker, the Capital Chatter Congressional Twitter Analysis Team. You can find the complete Capital Chatter Analysis at HamiltonPlaceStrategies.com, along with more information about Hamilton Place Strategies work and all of our podcasts. We're also on Twitter at HPS Insight. I'm your host, Megan Pennington. Thank you for listening and hope to see you soon. Thank you for listening to the HPS Insights Podcast, produced by Hamilton Place Strategies. For the latest updates, follow us on Twitter at HPS Insights and follow us on the web at HamiltonPlaceStrategies.com.